and welcome back to another episode of the Hero Ball Podcast. My name is Richard Davison, and I'm joined, as usual, by my good buddy Ethan Huffman. And we have a special guest uh, out west. His name is Austin Strode from Portland. And so we got, we're going to be talking about the Portland Trailblazers a little bit later. Now, uh, Austin, how are you feeling right now in this moment? Well, right now in this exact moment in time, I'm, uh, I'm a little stressed because uh, you, you guys chose to record this right in the middle of a Blazers game. <laughs> we're currently up one with a minute 22 against OKC, which is a huge game. Important. Of course, in the West, kind of going for that third. Um, I think we're only a game ahead in the third spot in the West. So I'm pretty good overall, but I'm kind of tuning in the last minute of this game as we're getting started. Oh man. Well, we, we, we're hoping you pull it out because I don't, I mean, I don't care for OKC that much. Uh, sorry if we have any fans in Oklahoma. I don't, I'm not sure that we do, but I know we at least had a couple of people in Portland. Um, but why don't we go ahead and before we get into talking about Portland, we'll spend most of our time talking about, uh, about, about that team. Let's go ahead and just, Mentioned a couple of things going on at the top of the uh, Western Conference. Um, Ethan, mm-hmm. uh, we had a little bit of a of a scare, I guess, with our top team. In, well, I guess second team, not top team. Our second team. Let's be clear. Second team in, in the West. Uh, go into that a little bit. Yeah, Stephen Curry, he's got another uh, aggravation to his his knee. He got a knee sprain, strain. I can't remember which one it was. And he's been ruled out for at least three weeks. That's when he will get reevaluated for his MCL sprain. Um, Steve Curry said there's no way he plays in the uh, first round of the playoffs. So that's a that's a nice little guess for what his time frame looks like. Um, so um, you know we're going to be talking about the Blazers in the back half of this podcast. But as we were standing right now, if the seat, seating stays. Portland and Golden State advance, that's going to play a huge factor in a playoff matchup going forward. Yeah. And I mean, if, I mean, as I, as I look at that, Steve Kerr's like saying, okay, there's no way that he's playing in round one, which, which begs to question, okay, if he's not going to play in round one, how, no, how certain are we that he would play in round two? And, And I mean, We'll get to talk about the Blazers a little bit later, but Austin, if, if Steph Curry is not playing in, in round two, I have to imagine you're you're feeling pretty, you know, you're happy about that, probably, right? Uh, it doesn't hurt. It, <laughs> uh, it, 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 what, whatever you can take, I will I will happily take taking players out uh, to increase our odds. So I have no complaints. Man, we got a lot of Zaza Pachulia in that Austin character. He's ready to bring the crowbar to the, the oh, arena. No, I'm, not, I'm not quite on Zaza's level. That man's crazy. <laughs> yeah, but, man. You know, Steph Curry, though, like, he, he he's so important to everything Golden State does. You know, Kevin Durant puts that team over the top with just sickening amount of talent. But Curry's really the, the guy who gets the machine running because he's the one who – just scary where he can pull and shoot from. You know, Clay Thompson's still a catch and shoot guy primarily. Kevin Durant, I mean, we saw what he did to LeBron in that in whatever game that was where he just put stopped on dime and shot from 30. But Curry's the engine that, that runs that thing. And it's it's unfortunate that he's hurt, like for viewership, but as a Portland fan, you certainly would be happy to 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 have that little advantage. Even if he's only eighty percent of Steph Curry, like that's a big advantage. Yeah, I mean, you think about it, it's it's MCL, which is a similar injury. I think it was even a little bit of a lesser injury the last time he got it uh, during the first round um, that one year, and so the year that they lost to to the Cavs. And so, I mean, it's gotta it's gonna hurt his lateral mobility a little bit. And so, who knows when he does come back if he is going to be one hundred percent, like we're saying. Yeah, it's it's tough. But, you know, enough about Stephen Curry. We've done the Golden State State of the franchise. We don't need to divulge into them some more. We're going to briefly talk about the Houston Rockets here. Houston Rockets, they are number one in the West, 59 wins, 14 losses. Great guard play, obviously, driving the fours. And Clint Capella um, mucking it up at the, in the center roll, run, rim running as much as he can. You know, we've talked about them quite a bit this year on the Hero Ball podcast because we did a game before them where we watched them live. And we also – did the uh, just got we, we <laughs> talked about James Harden. Harden so much? Yeah, we talked about Harden. Such a good isolation yeah. player. But Richard, going forward, uh, the Rockets are number one seed. What 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 are they going to be able to do in this postseason? Or are they going to run through it? Well, I mean, when you think about it, and, and Austin, no disrespect here, but I mean, in the West, people naturally are thinking, okay, it's going to be Houston or OKC. Now, I'm sorry, I'm out of it. Houston or the, 
Oh man, who used to the Warriors? State. Golden State. I'm sorry, I'm messing up here. Uh, I, I traveled. I'm on the East Coast. I'm all messed. Anyways, uh, excuses, excuses. Houston, Golden State. Like those are the two teams up at the top, and they're really, I mean, the ones that we're really concerned about. Obviously, the Blazers. They're they're right there below. And other than those, I don't see any teams really being able to affect them. And I mean, for me, I think that the Rockets are at the very least going to make it to the Western Western Conference Finals. I look at the, you know, right now, if it were to start today, the four of the fives, I don't see, you know, any of the four of the five seeds being able to cause any disruption to them. I just think that they are so talented in many different and can score on you in so many different ways. It really will just come down to, I think, a little bit of health. Um all, I mean, it always comes down to health, but I just, I see this team as being, having a very legitimate shot when at the beginning of the season, everyone was just like, oh, it's just the Warriors season. And that's that. And so I'm glad that it's at least a little bit more interesting. Um, yeah. So I, I mean, I think that they have a legitimate shot at the title this year. Yeah. You look at their matchups and I don't, I don't see anyone that's got a good one against them. I think the jazz ironically um, for any of the teams, not Warriors and Blazers, just Blazers because of their, you know, guard play um, the jazz with their ability to probably slow the pace down, really grind things out. Um, you know, the, the Houston's an incredible ISO team, but you know, when you just, when you minimize the amount of possessions, you're also minimizing the amount of possible points. So, like that's, ironically the maybe their worst matchup other than the Warriors and Blazers, which they won't be able to see granted if the, if the conference stays as it is until the finals. Yeah. Conference I, finals. Yeah. I think Gobert in the middle really just, you know, it, it will limit the you know chances that they have at the rim. They're a team that loves to be either at the rim or at the three point line, not a whole lot of mid range. Now we'll see what it gets when it comes time to the playoffs. But I think having Gobert there in the middle is really going to be key for, uh, for them. Austin, how you doing? Oh, Blazers just won, so I'm real good. Okay, all right. Excellent, Woo! excellent. They stay in the good, three got seed, that, everyone. Got that good one. OKC, stay atop of the division and in third. I love it. All right, yeah. back back to you guys. <laughs> all right, and the Rockets. So we we, we, all, we wouldn't be doing this today, the franchise, if we didn't mention some bad contracts. Uh, Richard, during the uh, trade deadline period, me and you talked a lot about how we can get off this Ryan Anderson contract for the Rockets. He's at two years, $41 million remaining. Um, and I put P.J. Tucker in at the, the – the, uh, Tax or the mid-level exception for getting paid eight million dollars a year for the next three years. Like I could see that aging poorly. He's already looking like he's not as athletic as he has been, but he's still a bit of a defensive stopper, especially on some of the more athletic fours with the ability to stretch out. Um, what are your thoughts on these contracts, either one of you? Yeah, I'll I'll go ahead and go first here. I I don't mean I don't see PJ Tucker as that terrible. I mean he's thirty-two years old right now. I mean he has you know three years left after this, but you know, he, like we said, like was said last year, he's the LeBron stopper, right? Okay. So, sorry, I'm done. I won't go there. But it, I mean, he's he's been helpful for them this year. And if you if you think about when NBA windows, you know, it's usually just a couple of years, you know, a few years at max. And so, what, while his contract could be bad in a couple of years, I, I think it's you know, it's he's helpful. He's helpful right now, and so I'm fine with that. The Ryan Anderson one is is the big one because he limits your ability to, to do a whole lot. That's $20 million. And, you know, in the last podcast we did about the Rockets, we were talking about them as a LeBron, you know, we talk about every team being a LeBron destination just because we don't think they're going to, he's going to stick around with the Cavs. But I mean, that 20 million would that you have with Ryan Anderson really just shuts down your ability to be flexible. Now, Daryl Morey is the epitome of flexible, but I see Ryan Anderson as the contract. I mean, Austin, is there any any other contracts you see as being you know not very good or? No, I'm I, I'm 100 with what you just said, Richard. I think I think I think the Ryan Anderson situation is is the problem, and I don't know the solution to it because I'm not sure how they're going to dump that contract. Mm-hmm. But that's I'm I'm with you on that 100. Now there's there's one more contract that we haven't mentioned, and that is the potential Chris Paul contract. Uh, mm-hmm. that, you know, he, this is the last year in his contract. What's he going to do? He's, you know, one of the guys you know, at the top of the Players Association. He's not going to take a free contract. Like him and LeBron cannot take contracts below their value. You wonder, uh, is is he going to be someone that they 
they sign long term and and invest all this money into or or is it possible that after the season that they would even think about letting him go well, it's the bird rights factor, right? That's what part of the reason they did the sign and trade instead of just moving the cap space to sign him outright this last offseason. So that's a little interesting thing. Also, Trevor Ariza is a free agent. Clint Capella is a restricted free agent. There's yeah. a lot of moving parts here for this team, and that's why the Ryan Anderson contract is so costly, is potentially costly. Now, the thing I look at is if you're going to go after someone like LeBron, it's nice to have – Chris Paul available via bird rights and Clint Capella as a restricted free agent. But like the piece, the pieces that would have to move in my opinion to make this kind of thing happen is you basically have to package Ryan Anderson and Eric Gordon together. Cause then that, that send out a lot of money. And even though LeBron's not like the Aaron Gordon, like there's nothing similar between their games. It's the kind of piece you have to give up if you're going to bring in a LeBron or a Paul George, perhaps. Right. I, yeah, I look at yeah, Eric Gordon's getting paid the, I guess the third highest, uh, fourth, sorry, fourth highest salary, uh, which you know makes sense. Um, but you'd have to do something like that in order to create the cap space necessary to to resign him. But yeah, the bird rights, all the um, and and you know, restricted free agency for Capella. Those are Im- important things for them, as long as their owner, which he probably is, is willing to go and spend you know a bunch of money. They win the title, just run it back. You know, there's 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 that option too. We we right. look at moving Ryan Anderson as a must, not necessarily. He still plays a very valuable role for a regular season team. Uh is Ariza restricted or unrestricted? He'd be unrestricted, but they'd have bird rights on him. I want Portland to get Ariza. Just have to throw it out there. <laughs> but don't you have like a zillion people like in that Ariza role already? I mean playing yeah, a poor that's man. Part of the solution that we'll get to later is that we're 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 t- we have way too many wings, and we have way too many subpar wings. Yeah. That's Those true. guys who are like the three, four kind of hybrid, but they yeah. are. But there's no level of consistency. Yeah. Um, I like Ariza's game. I didn't realize he's unrestricted. That's good. Yeah, he, well, he's unrestricted. He's 32 years old, as are most of the Houston Rockets. Anyways, uh, oh, Joe Johnson's there. So, how's Joe? I haven't been paying attention to Joe Johnson. How's how's doesn't he- matter. Doesn't okay. matter. Don't right. don't let's let's not talk about him. He he is an interesting <laughs> piece in a team that likes to play ISO because okay. he can get mid range too. But his three point percentage has been way down this year. I don't know how it's been since you came to the Rockets. I don't have that split ready to me yet. But I mean, he's 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 just a, a, a plug and play guy. He's really not doing a whole lot for this team. Yeah, his three point percentage for the Rockets has been uh, a shade under thirty percent. That's not yeah. what you want. It's okay from a four spot though, because that's where they usually play. And like if you if you go league wide, a thirty percent four is not the worst thing. But I mean, for the Rockets, if they're trying to run the most efficient offense in league history, that's not what you want. Yeah, and when we look at the cap space that that they Rockets have going forward, you know, if you look at it just on the surface, it looks nice, right? You know, you see eighty million dollars next year, eighty eight after that. But you know, that's without Chris Paul, without Clint Capella, like you mentioned, and so really. They do have some decisions to make. Now, the good thing about it is that because they only have that $80 million, if they do decide to move on from Chris Paul, they do have some cap space to go out and and get someone else, perhaps. Um, because then they would just want to you know take care of all the other contracts they have and re-sign them later. But if they do want to move on from Chris Paul after this year, let's say it doesn't work out, they do have some space to do that initially and then, you know, add on whoever else they have with bird rights uh, later on. You really got to make it happen this offseason, though, because yes. uh, even though Harden's going to be worth his money, it, his money goes through the roof in 2019-20. And so you really got to get those contracts in before his cap spike goes – his personal cap spike, his uh, veteran players extension goes up because a $7 million contract bump is a lot. and. That's hard to factor into anybody's books if you uh if you're already a little bit up next to the cap. Yeah, and I mean as far as draft picks, Daryl Moore does a pretty good job of of moving things around. And but when they tried to do what they did this year, they had to send out many draft picks and and picks that they had acquired and accumulated. They had to move them all out to make it happen. And so really, they've got you know they've got their own first rounder gone this year, their own second rounder gone as well. Uh, and I mean, not, not a whole lot going on outside of that. Yeah. I don't worry about a team like the Rockets. They're so good at evaluating talent and finding their niche players. You know, 
you think about you know, getting Ariza when they did. They, they you know, they, they find value. They got Eric Gordon on a good deal. Different time. They got they traded for a PJ Tucker. Like they've done Luke the moves. Ma Mute has been great. Luke, Luke Mamute, perfect example. They find the guys at the right value to bring a team together. They, I trust Daryl Morey more than most in terms of veteran signings and youthful signings. Yeah. So yeah, I mean they're going to be in a good position because they got James Harden and James Harden's pretty great. Um, MVP this year. Let's just we've been saying that the past couple of uh, pods, and and that's that has not changed. Um, real quick, just if James Harden were to have like a Steph Curry type injury and miss the rest of the season, you know, ten games or something, would that affect anything? This team does not have the it, look. Chris Paul is going to keep the team decent, but, but I mean, I mean, they, like MVP wise, would that affect? Oh anything? no, no, okay, he's got it. He's got so he, he, he could literally just go out there and sit at midcourt for the next 10 games and win the MVP still. Based on numbers and narrative, this is a James Harden season. Good. All right. Just want to just want to make sure that's solidified there. Anyways. Yeah. Anything else anyone has to say about the Rockets or can we can we get to the Blazers? All go right. on. All right. So let's go ahead and dive into the Portland Trailblazers. That's why Austin's here. He wants to talk about his team and how how good they are. We, we got our, the core players. Now, Austin, see if you disagree with this, the core players we have, you know, Dame Lillard, CJ McCollum, those guys, especially like they're not like th- those are their guys. And then Zach Collins, just because you did the whole two for one first rounders and you picked him and you know, you have him in a co- very nice cost controlled contract the rest of the way. Anyone else you would include or exclude from that? It's tough to say. I mean, with the current state of the team, uh, Nurk is definitely Nurkic is definitely the third on that list over Zach Collins. But moving forward, Nurkic is uncertain with his free agent status. Right. He's gonna want he's gonna want a lot of money. I think most. I mean, most people do. Um, who show you know a twenty three year old center who shows a ton of promise. But I don't think it's just gonna depend on how much he asks for. If, uh, that's the thing. I mean, if you're gonna say if he was under contract for the next two years after this, I would say the team is Dame, CJ, and Nurk. Mm-hmm. But it's hard to say because there's that ambiguity of, I don't know what's going to happen when the season's over with him. But yeah, you could add Zach Collins to that list because I wasn't very big on him when he got drafted, but he's uh, he, he's looking pretty nice right now. I like the way he plays with so much confidence out there. Speaking of Zach Collins, like he's yeah. really found a spot in his game that he, he he's convinced that he's a good shooter, which he is, and he's convinced that he can be a rim protector, which he's aspiring to be. Mm-hmm. I, I remember watching him in that championship game against UNC last year, and like he has all the defensive instincts, and these college refs are taking it away from him. And so I really liked him as a prospect. I remember telling you like via text, like I just I, I didn't think the Blazers were the right fit for him. But with Nurkic and his, like you said, ambiguity of what he's going to do with his free agency, I really like the idea of having Zach Collins be able to take more of a role next year, especially if he puts some pounds on. I do too. I do too. And one thing, the piece I want to add to that with this Portland team is I really, really want to see this offseason us sign a veteran big for cheap money because the oldest person on this team is Evan Turner and he's 28 or 29 years old. We have nobody that's 30 or older. Nobody. Zach Collins and Nurk. I mean, even if we have Nurk, um, if we're able to re-sign him and come to terms on a contract, the both of them, they need somebody to show them the game. Now, now you say that you have no one over the age of 30 uh, on your roster, but that's only a little bit true because you have about – 1.9 1.9 million of dead weight from Anderson Verajao's contract. So I mean, you know, yeah, but he's, I, not, he's not he's not there in the locker room. What that's, are they doing? <laughs> that's like perfect yeah, I know. Teach everyone how to flop and everything, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a frustrating situation that that's still under contract, and I think it's still under contract for a couple more years. Yeah, it's um, yeah, three more. But, and then you had Andrew Nicholson's. Like you guys yeah. stretched him till eternity. You know, did that the was the Alan Crab. That was the cost of getting Alan Crab out of there for his cap mm-hmm. hit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was still a net positive though, because Alan Crab was getting a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. Shame and, you couldn't have moved off Evan Turner instead of Crab though. Uh, yeah, all that. Yeah, would have been more costly. I would have liked that too. But all in all, though, like as far as your salary situation this year. You guys just snuck in under the tax. Therefore, 
you know, you won't be repeat offenders next year if you decide to go and like splurge on on Nurkic or something like that. So, or just on basically pay anyone, I guess. Mm-hmm. And Paul, yeah. Paul Allen's not afraid to go over the cap. That's good. Well, that's that's nice. I, you know, you, you mentioned bringing in a veteran big, but like I wonder, like, do you not think Ed Davis can fill that role for you? I mean, he's a free agent too, so like he'd have to get money as well. But like, I kind of look, even though Ed Davis is only twenty eight years old. Um, he's been in the league for like a long time because he came out after his freshman season at UNC. So, like, do you not think he fits that veteran big role? Yes and no. I think I think he does to an extent, but I think if you could find some a Pau Gasol type guy who has had a good career, who's had been on winning teams, has been around winning players, and has been on teams that have made runs, but it's utterly ineffective at this point of his career, and will take cheap money that would be the benefit that I think would be very useful to this team. But Ed Davis is a stud. He has turned it on this year. I, 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 I'm a big fan of his game. Yeah, I, I don't know if that person exists that's not Pau Gasol, and he's not going to turn over his $16 million with the Spurs. Yeah. No. And I don't know off the top of my head who, who who's out there, or I don't even know if it's a bring on an assistant coach, like what's their face of Patrick Ewing, like bringing on – older guys who have been in the league as an assistant to mentor some of these kids, but right. So <laughs> even like a Juwan Howard type that's been sitting around. The yeah, league there you go. That's a good name. He, so he I, on the season about three or four years ago, I got a list of uh, centers who are scheduled to be free agents uh, this off season. Um, now, obviously some are going to be out of the price range. I'll just go ahead and list them all off right now. It's, it's basically based off of money that you made this year. So Brooke Lopez at the top, De- uh, he's probably not an option because he probably will want too much money. DeMarcus Cousins, not an option. Greg Monroe, um, you know, potential there. Jalil Okafor, too, you know, no, never mind. Aaron Baines, I like him. He's, you know, former Piston guy. He's he's kind of that role where he's just kind of big. He'll get in the way. He'll set a few picks. And he'll probably be a pretty good locker room guy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you can get Zaza. He'll he'll be available, right? Teach he can teach Myers Leonard and Zach Collins how to you know shuffle his feet underneath you know active shooters and um you know you know My- Myers has had five years now. I think I I think if you can't get it by now, you're, you don't got a chance. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, sure. In in the interest of just wondering now, Robin Lopez has played out there. He's not a free agent, but if you could unload a Myers, like he has one more year left on his contract at fourteen million. If you could do something like a swapping um. Leonard and maybe I don't know who else. Just if you could make make room for Robin Lopez, is that a guy that you're looking at as someone who could do the big, the older, gentlemanly big man stuff? You're talking Robin, not Brooke. Robin, because yes. he got one more year. He's he's playing for a tanking Bulls team that doesn't really have use for him. Myers Leonard is like a young guy's also like getting overpaid, but he like, the Bulls can take on bad salary like him because they're not going anywhere. It's like if Robin Lopez was available for Myers Leonard, and I don't know who else right now, like something but like if that if that was a move to be made would you be interested in him because like yeah. i'm trying to find a big man that fits you, yep. you want. i mean I he was on he i mean he was just on portland like two years ago for about two or three years yeah but yeah i would okay yeah i, I personally um i don't think that person exists for you and i don't think it's going to happen because it'd be hard to justify having uh nurkic resigned collins and myers yep. Leonard, all of them yep. guys getting paid and then yep. have another old guy especially yep. when you're, you'd probably want to keep ed davis for how well he's played this year Agreed. Agreed. I, I don't disagree with you at all, but that's just my two cents on what I think would help this team get to the next level. But as far as what the odds are of that actually happening this offseason, I agree. I think it are small, but I, mm-hmm. I think that's the piece, um, especially if Nurk is going on elsewhere. Yeah, I, I went through the trade machine, and if you want to swap uh, Robin Lopez for Myers Leonard, Caleb Swanigan is going to have to be the tax that goes along with that. Okay, that's okay. fair. Caleb Swanigan, I hope I wish him well, but and he'd be he'd be better. He's closer closer to Purdue if he plays in Chicago. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Helps everybody. Like going forward with this team, though. So we we discussed something that you kind of want for this team. Um, another factor with this team, we're going to go really deep with these players. So we got the two guards, uh, Dame and CJ. Those guys run the show. But yep. uh, Shabazz Napier is also a free agent this year. Pat Connaughton's yep. a free agent. Those are your two primary yep. guys coming off the bench. Keep you got to so keep Shabazz. Number see. one. I, 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 love, I love that kid's game. He's looking so good. And he's got his confidence. He's got Dame-like confidence. 
I still have my T-shirt jersey from when the Heat drafted him because I love Chabaz as well, and it just didn't yeah. work out for him there, unfortunately. Yeah, but he's found a role, like, and he's been excelling at it in Portland. You, know, you would think that that would give him some incentive to stick around because he's found a place where he's excelled. But, you know, maybe he – But they, he's up to his dollar value by if he goes to the market. Yeah. I get it. Yeah, and it's like, well, what, what if he can get, um, you know – get some more playing time, getting a, get a starting role somewhere. I mean, you know, I don't know I there's not a whole lot of spots, but you know, if you're him, you gotta be, that's probably what's going through your mind. hundred percent, hundred percent. Do you want that fluidity? I know him and Dame are really close and watching the way Shabazz plays. It's like he mirrors himself as a little miniature, uh, Damon, or, yeah, Damon, Sonmar, <laughs> Damon Lillard out there, but funny, funny how, how someone can be a miniature, uh, you know, Dame Lillard, but it's, yeah, I know, but he, I mean, that's the, that's the way he plays and it looks good, but you're right. It's going to be interesting how that plays out from a fan's perspective. I would love to see us keep Shabazz, but I also realize that a team as hot as Portland's been this year and Shabazz playing at such a high level, he's going to be able to go to the market and ask for more money. And Portland's going to have to match that. Yeah. Cause this, this is the problem we're running into here is as someone who is not a Portland fan, but is a Portland enthusiast because I live in the area now. I want Portland to be a good team. And when you have Ed Davis, Nurkic, Shabazz, Pat Connaughton, all coming up on free agency, all of them playing an important role in this team. And they're so – it's going to be hard to retain even three of those guys because you're paying at guys like Evan Turner so much money and Myers Leonard. Like, yep. I guess this is the question I have for you. With the draft coming up and with you guys not going to be up in that echelon where you can get a, a talented rookie like a Zach Collins coming, like how much how much are you willing to move on from a first-round pick this year to maybe move off either Leonard or Turner, hopefully clear up the cast so that you can re-sign your own guys? Is that is that a better move for you than taking on another rookie? I will, I will dump those contracts over anything else any day of the week. That's what I thought, and that's what I was wondering. Because like earlier in the year, when I was like trying to find a way to get Portland back on track, when they were struggling a little bit, I was finessing all kinds of trades to get those guys out of here. But that's why I wanted to hear because I like I like Ed Davis, I like Nurkic, I like Shabazz, and I like Pat, and they all have more value to the team than Turner or Leonard. And so, if you can get off those contracts in order to retain those four, it's a win for me. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is a situation unlike the Rockets where you don't have bird rights on any of these guys. Uh, I not, not that I can tell. Maybe maybe you do. I, you showed on Pat Connaughton, but and Nurkic because you'd have he's a restricted free agent, okay. but right, not right, with right, right. and not for Ed Davis. Yeah, and so difficult when you're already up against the tax, and then you've got to you know deal with that as well. Yeah, yeah. Port- Portland's going to be. I mean, I'm obviously a fan, but just looking from a holistic standpoint, this is going to be a huge summer for Portland. Huge. Yeah, it's really important. And it just sucks so much that Evan Turner is getting paid $17 million. And I know I hate on Evan Turner so much. The guy is getting paid. He loves money. But, man, like he's it just – No, he's a good player, though. He's just not a $17 million player. Right. If you could get him down to Myers Leonard contract money and get Myers Leonard down out of the league money, we'd be somewhat, we'd Portland would be in a great situation. Man. Yeah. Fortunately, that's way more far fetched than it should be. Now, now, Austin, we were talking about these bad contracts, right? Now, the person who gave them out, Neil O'Shea. How, I mean, you're in, you're in the situation where you're third in the West, you know, one of the best, um, you know, Western conferences. Can I say one of the best Western conferences we've had in a, in a while? I mean, competitive. I one of the most competitive. And you're third, and so and yeah. he's he's the guy at the helm there. Yeah. But then you also are are stuck with you know these contracts, these big contracts, which are not allowing you to have the flexibility that you need. And you know, Damon McCollum. I mean, this they're they're hitting their prime. They're getting into it. I, th- I mean, obviously, I think they're going to be good for a while. But like, how do you feel about him and the job that he's done? Yeah, two ways I look at it. Um, but the thing with O'Shea, he's done as many great things as he's done horrible things. Great things. He drafted um, Damian Lillard. Mm-hmm. Seventh overall pick. Um, I think that was his first draft with Portland off the top of my head. I don't know that for a fact, but just trying to think mentally at his tenure here. I know he drafted him. I want to say that might have been his first draft with us. That was obviously a phenomenal pick going with a mid-major. You go back-to-back. I mean, what? Lehigh, Lehigh a mid-major, it's not 
Yeah, there's very small the mid major. So you got two, the two best players coming out of mid majors in the last seven years have gone to Portland. Drafting wise, overall, I mean, you could say that because he also drafted Myers Leonard, but overall draft, he's good in the draft. He does well in the draft. The team does well scouting players to pick up. Free agency, <laughs> no. The yeah. only thing he did good in free agency is I don't remember all the nitpicky pieces about it, but he basically moved around our team and got us Robin Lopez for about five bucks. Like it was, we basically, he structured that deal amazing. But when it came to Myers and Harkless and Turner, these guys have huge contracts. He locked us up. He put the chains behind, um, chains behind and threw away the key. He's done some really good things, but some horrible things to cripple the franchise. So where I sit personally, I'm 60-40 in favor of I'm not a fan of him right now because he's had some opportunities to mix up this franchise as far as cap space-wise, but he hasn't converted. And he's just signed players that everyone knows are so mediocre to ridiculous contracts. But at the flip, though, like from his perspective, I get that it's tough because this is not a desirable free agent market. This is a small market. We're the only team left in the Northwest. Players don't want to come here overall. If they want to come here, it's either they, they want to come here because they're already endorsed by Nike and they're here with Nike or they want to play with Dane. But mm-hmm. aside from that, like Portland has had a notoriously hard uh, time in the history of the franchise of getting free agents. Yeah, so from that standpoint, yeah. You, you give Neil O'Shea, you know what I'm saying? Like you give mm-hmm. him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt, but yeah. man, he, I'm, I, I'm tough on him because he's done some great things, but he's done some really stupid things for the franchise. Yeah. I mean, the summer of 2016 was not, was not nice to him. It was yeah, very, that was very the, bad. Myers Leonard, Alan Crabb, Evan Turner, Festus mm-hmm. Azili, although that's not really hurting you as much right now. Mo Harkless. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, yeah, I understand. Like, I Pistons fan. I guess he's trying to throw my Pistons stuff in there. Joe Dumars, you know, he constructed our, he constructed the team that that won, you know, won the 2004 Finals. He did a lot of great stuff, but then just so so really great moves, but then also just really frustrating ones. Drafting Darko, uh, Ben Gordon, Charlie Villanueva, like all that stuff. And so I guess it, I guess we can just take from it. It's hard to be an NBA GM. And especially when you're in a situation where you're not a huge market, people don't always want to come to you and you've got so to do that overpay. Yep. The fans have it. it. It's so easy to critique as a fan. Um, yeah. It's true though. Cause you got to look at the perspective of that person and the market and the whole situation. And most people don't do that. Most people don't understand the salary cap situation, how that actually works. It's tough out here. It's tough. It's tough for Portland. Notoriously over the history of the franchise, the only way Portland builds is through the draft. Right. I mean, and I don't think you mentioned it. Like the trade for Yousef, by the trade Mason yeah. Plumley, who, in my opinion, not very good, and a second round pick to the Nuggets for Yousef and a first. Like that's wild. Like that's, that's what brings. That's what brought you is Zach Collins and like Correct. in the. I mean, that's, that's that's insane. Like I looked at that trade day one, was like, how did he get them to agree to that? Correct. Because Yusef was the better player, right. and you got the better pick. It made no sense whatsoever. Yep, yep. And exactly. And it goes back to my point earlier. He's he's done some really good creative deals where he's getting great value for pennies on the dollar. But then on the flip, he just signs. <laughs> he just locks us in with these contracts. Yeah, man, it's it's just a it's just such a weird scenario that he got himself because he's like even the Alfred Camino when he signed him in 2015, that's been a big signing, the crucial for the team and being consistent. Ed Davis was a 2015 signing. Like these guys that he's selected for the most part have been working out pretty well. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's just it's just really unfortunate that 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 one summer is, is is all his blemishes come together as one. Yep. Yep. Now. So we've gone into how you feel about the GM, but let's go ahead and, and focus in just on, on your team this year. Obviously, you are your third in the West, especially after a nice win tonight against the Thunder. Um, and, and, you know, you, you, again, we said this is a very competitive Western conference and you're where you are uh, partially, you know, you, you would say you'd have to attribute some of it to coaching. 
um, your team right now is what do you what would you say is the difference between the team this year and the team last year? Because the players that you have are you know pretty much the same. Defense and NBA has so much turnover with players. You always got players coming in and out. You're trying to find who fits in the system. Uh, the two things is the defense has improved phenomenally. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that we've had virtually the same team for the last one to two years, two to three years in a lot of ways, a good bulk of the team. So these guys have actually really learned how to play together and complement each other. I think, I think that's been the biggest piece. Um, but defense, I mean, we have had notoriously, well, wow, that's uh, top five worst defense overall. And now we're a top five best defense this year. I think, that that's it. I, offensively, the games is uh, CJ and Dame run the show. They've been studs for years. CJ, I know recently on a national level, is coming on the scene more and more. But at the end of the day, they've both been putting up points for years now. It's it's all the defense. Yeah, and then, like we had some nice contributions earlier from Shabazz putting together yeah. a string yeah. of games when Dame got hurt and really thriving off the um, the confidence from that stretch. And he, he really carried the team there with CJ when Dame went out and has continued to c- carry the bench unit. But you're right. The defense is what's made the biggest difference. And a lot of that I think is attributed to just having that big body that's like athletic as well. Because I, I think about Robin Lopez who, who co- changed a lot of shots at the rim, but wasn't, he, you didn't have really any fear that he was going to block a shot. And I look at Mason Plumley the same way. They were big bodies, but Nurkic has that little extra oomph in his jump and little – like, I don't know, he just gets the more balls. And there's a he, little bit of fear coming it. in. He times it better. Yeah. He's very good at timing the block. And, and that's a huge difference, like, when you actually have a fear of getting your shot blocked. I, I, here's my heat plug, Richard. Um, <laughs> since Hassan Whiteside's been out, Bam is a good defender, but he doesn't really block a lot of shots. And people are like, okay, I can go into him. He's not going to block it. He's just going to play good defense. And they're finishing over him. So, like, that's the, the thing I'm saying, seeing here is now that there's a legitimate threat of that shot getting put back in your face, people are a little bit more hesitant to put it up. Yeah, and you get, we haven't talked about Ed Davis a whole lot. I mean, he's been uh, a great defender coming, you know, off the bench for them and – his rebounding is so critical to ending possessions and also his offensive rebounding to keep possessions alive. Mm-hmm. He kills it down there. I, I, I can't figure out how he does it because he's not a great athlete. He, does, he doesn't do anything particularly just amazing, but he just carves out all that space. You know, what I think What I think it is from, from my two cents is when I, I've been thinking about that actually a lot too recently is how does he get so many offensive boards? I think he's just playing the numbers game. I think what I watch him do is if he is in the middle of the key and he sees a shot go up from the right corner, as the ball is in the air, he is shifting his body to the left side of the key because 65% of the time, the ball is going to go the other side from where you shot it from. So he does a phenomenal job. I, what I have noticed is positioning himself depending on where the shooter takes the shot in midair to play the odds game to where the ball is going to go. So kind of like, yeah, I guess guesstimating it before. Hey, if it's going to miss, it's missing here. If it's going to make it, well, then, you know, he makes it. But yeah. And you know what? Just, just like spitball here. I'd be interested to look at how many he got today because Steven Adams is the other guy who does that kind of stuff so well. So, like, just looking at the box score today, I'm going to pull it up. Like, we don't have to dwell on this. But like, Steven Adams is another guy who – he doesn't get a lot of rebounds, like, on the defensive end because he's always just boxing out two or three people so refs can come in and grab it. But offensively, he crashed the board so hard, and that's where almost, like, I think 50% of his rebounds come from. So, and that's that's something that's wild to me watching him play. And Ed Davis does a similar thing. The very good point by you to uh, mention it. I, I, I'm just speaking right here at Ed Davis. Uh, it looks like he was in foul trouble this game so i think this the staff might be a little bit uh skewed on the rebound he only had two rebounds tonight yeah but it looks like he was in foul trouble most of the game short 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 minutes too only 18 minutes in the game yeah so yeah that's why one box score isn't the uh isn't the end all be all yeah well a little shot what was his plus minus his plus minus was not very good oh but my point for steven adams is he he had 10 rebounds tonight nine of them were offensive yeah, it's so ridiculous. I, that's ridiculous. I, Honestly, that's, that's going to be the, the, one of the craziest stats of like the entire year. How how in the world? I mean, 
we know we know how how right. it he, he plays with two rebound stealers, Carmelo and Russ. Yeah, but it's like how in the world like people are gonna like look back on on this year and statistically and and look and think that there was some like typo or something like, wait, hold on. He, he got how many offensive boards a game and, and how many total rebounds? Like it's just so wow. off with, with him. Doesn't make any sense except for it makes complete sense. Exactly. Oh man. Uh, well, one more thing I want to focus on here and we, we mentioned it briefly, but you know, Damon McCollum, I mean, those are your guys. And with the league as it is now, this league is really, really guard centric. And in order to succeed, you've got to have high quality uh, guards. Maybe unless you're a team like that has LeBron, then you're just going to succeed no matter what. I mean, right now his guards are pretty weak. Uh, I guess during the regular season, they're struggling. I guess we'll see how it goes in the postseason. But you think about all of the great teams uh, this year. You know, they have amazing uh, they have amazing guards. Like one and two. Like I I think my, my top four teams all have like you know, some of the top tier guards in the league. And, you know, people have been saying, one of the things I think Neil O'Shea maybe hasn't gotten so much credit for that he maybe should is the trades that he hasn't made. Like people have been saying, you know, this, this Dame CJ McCollum thing, I don't know if it works. You're, you you do not have great, you know, one of them's not a great defender. Maybe you should trade him. Even this year at the deadline, there were, there were talks, maybe you should trade him to like Cleveland for a love yep. package or something like that, but yep. he hasn't pulled the trigger. And sometimes as you've seen with the words, it's the trades that you don't make sometimes that can really, uh, you know, be helpful. Yeah, no, that's a really good point because a lot of people have been saying it's a lot. A lot of people think that you got to get rid of Dame or CJ and get some other kind of talent. Um, Dame's not going anywhere. That's number no. one. Yeah. He, he is Portland. He loves it here. He is the leadership. Um, CJ is so good, and they complement each other so well. But everyone, you're right, though. That's that's a really good point. Is I think I think other than Steph and and Clay, Portland is probably tied with Paul and Harden for the second best one-two punch, in my personal opinion, in the league. They are phenomenal players together, and I think. CJ, they have had so many offers for CJ the last couple of years. I know, I'm sure people have offered stuff for Dame, but I know Olshay has explicitly, since we've drafted Dame, has said to every GM, no. I am not going to entertain Dame. He is off the market, like mm-hmm. untouchable, untouchable. He's always flirted. He's always kind of said that CJ is available, but at the same time, said that we really want him so you better offer a heck of a lot to make this lucrative because we really want to build the team around these two guys right and with those two guys their main flaw has been their defense it's been like ranted apart aside from that austin what is something that you'd like to see um from either of them improve on because i i know i have one procedure that i really want him to improve on that's a good question um, I can give you mine if you agree with seeing you see if you agree with it. Yeah, tell me what yours is. CJ McCollum only goes to the line 3.1 times per game. And there's yeah. no reason for a guy who's as herky jerky and gets people on their toes. There's no reason he can't get better at the dark arts of drawing free throws. Now, I hate that kind of basketball, but if you're going to be an effective uh, scorer in the NBA, that's something he needs to develop. That's, that's what Dame learned how to do. Right. I'm sure, I don't know the stats on this, but he gets to he gets to three free throws a heck of a lot of the time. Damian Lillard. The three point line. He is eighth in the league in terms of free throw shots per game. He's he's actually tied with Dwight Howard, but Dwight Howard's up there for a completely different reason. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Damian Lillard, in terms of guards, there's only DeRozan and uh, and Harding get to the line more than Lillard as a guard. But CJ McCollum is seventy fourth in the league at going to the line, and that's behind guys like Kyle Lowry, who is not as good at just breaking down defenders as CJ guys like Tyreek Evans yeah. who should like why and Isaiah Thomas I mean he flops a lot so maybe but like that's my one frustration with him is I see him get people on their toes and he has the ability to go into them and then finish but he just decides to take a tougher shot falling away and it does frustrate me and I don't know if that's an athleticism thing not knocking CJ's athleticism because he's obviously a phenomenal athlete but, I mean, have you ever seen him throw down a dunk on anybody? I haven't. He doesn't Uh-oh. do that. That's not his game. Dame can do that. CJ, 
I would say Kyrie Irving is the only person in the NBA with better handles than CJ right now. CJ is very, very smooth with the ball. And yeah. he can get around anybody, but his game is not and I think I, I agree with you on this. I think he should challenge the basket more. But he is more of I'm gonna get around you and I'm gonna do one of those little jump stop pull ups from twelve to eighteen feet on right. you and shoot that at a very high percentage. Yeah, he does um, it very right. well. Yeah, he does it very well. He obviously does a phenomenal job at it, but he doesn't take it to the hoop incredibly strong or incredibly often. And you're right. I think I think if he got to the line more, that would definitely benefit his game. Just diving into some deep stats real quick. Um, he has he shoots 18.4 percent of his attempts from the at the rim, but he also shoots 18.3 percent from 16 to three point range. So that that's the kind of thing I'd like to see him switch up. I'd like to see some of that transition into the paint because it's just a better shot. Come postseason, that mid range shot is going to be important, especially down in the close of games if they're like just trying to rape Lillard. Um, but you know, CJ. Go get go get, draw some fouls. Just do it for and, me, please. And I think too, though, the reason he's having that success, and the only reason why I would even consider challenging, because I agree with you, I think he needs to get to the line more. But the only reason I would think about challenging that narrative is the NBA is so three point centric now. So what's happening is from a defensive scheme is what I'm seeing is they're they're defending the perimeter better than they ever have, and they're defending the paint. But the mid range is wide open in this league. Mm-hmm. Nobody's nobody's a mid-range shooter. Teams don't shoot mid-range anymore. So he's able to exploit that weakness of how the NBA works now. And that's what I like about his play is the defense is so focused around the rim and the three-point line, but everyone's given up those 15, 15 footers right now. Mm-hmm. And he does it very well, so it makes sense for him to exploit it. Yeah. yeah. And real quick, you mentioned, you know, everyone shoots threes now. Like Portland is the – this year is uh, – fourth in the league at limiting opponents three-point attempts and for them this year compared to last year that number is up six percent so like it it just shows you where the nba is going and so yeah i think that you're right uh and thinking that here's my one concern though with with you guys let's say this offseason doesn't go you know let's say you maybe win round one but then lose round two to golden state or something like that or basically you go and it's another exit earlier than you'd like it to be. At what point does Neil O'Shea say, you know, I I've made some moves. I've, I've, you know, signed Evan Turner to a deal. That's not great. I have Myers Leonard for a while. The only way for me to really adjust things and change things is if I move off of McCollum, like that's the one thing I I would be afraid of just because he's entered He's entered those thoughts in, in the past where he's been okay with maybe moving him off, moving away from him. But if you're thinking about, okay, what, what is a way that I could, you know, make sure that I make Dames, you know, prime, like, I don't know. I, I That's one of the things that I worry about with him. And if, if they, if they just kind of find their, their max with, with, you know, with the Warriors and Houston being as good as they are. Yeah. Uh, I struggle. You don't, with you don't think it'll happen? I agree with you. Right. It it's something I don't think should or will happen. I think McCollum's agreed. In, in Portland. Like the like when I was thinking about this earlier in the year, I was looking at players that it would like the, the player that it would make the most sense for. And I, it's not a trade I like at all because he's still never come to his potential. But if there was an Andrew Wiggins trade for CJ, it's it's the kind of player that Portland could use in terms of size at the three. But I don't like it. I don't. I don't think it's any of a better fit. It's the same kind of player with with more athleticism that uses it even less. So like it doesn't. It's not an upgrade. It's just it make the make the wolves really scary. But. Yeah. It's hey, do you, think, do you yeah. think Minnesota will take um, CJ for for Towns? I'd take that trade. <laughs> well, yeah, but yeah, that, that's no. that's uh, that's yeah. no no no. Right. <laughs> but that's the kind of player that I'm. That's the kind of player we need. Right. But those and kind of players. Get in the draft. Mm-hmm. Well, with your history of drafting great, you know, great players, although you won't be drafting near the top of of the draft anytime soon. Yeah, see, that's the other thing. Olsay had the had the uh, the luxury, if you want to call it a luxury, of being able to call himself a, a rebuild by getting a seventh pick and CJ at the I don't remember what CJ was a tenth pick or something like that. And we're we don't we don't have picks like that anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, then now now you become a playoff team and you're gonna get you're gonna get what's left. 
you had you had I mean you technically had that that pick this year who is that Collins. So I guess we'll see we'll see yeah, how he develops, true. right? Matthew Trey part. Well, that wraps it up for me, honestly. We've covered a lot in terms of their defense and offense. Like um, we've talked about their free agency and what what where they can go, where they should go. Um, I don't have anything else. It's up to you two at this point. Just a quick stat here, um, Ooh, which like you, which you would, which is fine. But they uh, the assist rate for the Blazers is last in the league. But you know, who, who cares, right? That that's that's the case when you have Damian Lillard who does it by himself, CJ who does it by himself, and even Nurkic who can take a post up for himself. Like, and they're good at just, it, though. It's, like they're. Know. All but Nurkic is really, really good at it. And Nurkic is pretty good depending on his matchup. So, I mean, that's that's what you're going to have. <laughs> yeah. When you have two cooks that can just get whatever they want, I mean, yeah. let, them, let them cook. A little bit of a useless stat, you know, just being thrown out there. But it's one of those ones that, like, you see on, on you know, NBA Countdown where they're saying, you know what, why isn't this team – well, they're not getting as many assists. They're not passing the ball. You can't succeed if you're not passing the ball. Sorry, sorry, Charles Barkley. Which is funny, too, because – in my personal opinion, our bar, our, our excuse me, our ball movement is improved. Mm. It's just yeah. the way we play. Mm-hmm. They put down the ball, like they'll they'll move the ball around and they'll get it to CJ, but then he's going to do two or three dribbles in order to do his pull up because that's just his rhythm. Then yeah, maybe you've got a mismatch by, by the time that you've, yep. you've gotten around to that and take advantage of it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. that's the kind of stat that someone will throw out, but they clearly haven't watched a lot of games because it's, it's just CJ gets into his rhythm, Dane gets into his rhythm, all off dribble. Yeah. Like, whereas the Heat run a lot of, like, dribble handoff stuff, which Dwayne Ellington throws up a shot really quick. The, when the Blazers do dribble handoffs, it's usually to set up the pro- – like, just get the ball back into CJ and Dane's hands. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, with, with that, I mean, I, I think let's go ahead and close it off. Uh, we're actually not going to have a quote from a player from either of these teams, but we're going to have a quote from our good friend, Marv Albert and Marv Albert. One time, uh, he said this, if Justin Bieber was seven feet tall, he'd look like Myers Leonard.